I always thought these podiums should be covered in to, so that you didn't see our knees. But anyway, it's a privilege to be here this evening and to share in this great occasion. Uh, <clears throat> I was just asked, you'll see on the program that it was to be Bruce Johnson that was to uh, read this poem, but I'll do my best. If you will bear with me, I feel more like the words of the song, when this poor lisping, stammering tongue lies silent in the grave. <clears throat> Walk Worthy of God by Paul Steinhauer. The inner cry of man for deliverance of soul from, the, from slavery to sin compels him to search for reality and life that satisfies until he meets the Savior who, who's offered peace, remission of sin, and leads him to walk worthy of God. Each experience teaches the twice-born man that dependence upon self brings failure to meet God's law of commitment to the crucified life. So self is surrendered to rulership by Christ, and the consecrated man walks worthy of God. Unwavering hope in Christ's return excites the man of God to fervent toil for his master through life's probation until in spirit he transcends the bounds of mortal flesh to be rewarded a walk ever with God. Well, yeah, give it up. <laughs> give it up. <laughs> What's the encore? <laughs> In a different key, I guess. <laughs> uh, one of the things that we recognized a few years ago was we've got a lot of amazing alumni who are doing interesting things around the world. And we had one distinguished alumni recognition at that time, and we were trying to think, how can we expand this? So this year and last year, starting last year, we expanded it to three. I've already explained this a little bit, but um, we added one for a young alum, uh, recognizing early career excellence. And the truth is, we have a lot of young alums who are doing some interesting things. And what a great opportunity for us to celebrate what God is doing through them. And so that is, uh, we're going to recognize Graham Watt. And we heard from him this morning in, in chapel. And then we added another one for professional service, um, integrating faith Christian faith and professional achievement. And this evening, we're going to be recognizing Dr. Lauren Rebuka, friend of many of yours. And, uh, you know, the things that he's done have been interesting. And we wanted to begin to think about our holistic Christian um, force, the holistic Christian family, and not just recognize those who are in Christian ministry, because that one we didn't want to lose either. As we worked our way across to professionals, we didn't want to lose the importance of Christian ministry. And so we've got one for lifetime um, Christian ministry, lifelong Christian ministry, which is kind of a continuation of the one that we had before. And um, so those are the three that we're going to recognize here tonight. Um, I think Kendi and 
Laurel are coming up, Kendi is, and off we go. All right, so first off, Graham Watt. It was during his student days at the University of Alberta that Graham first heard a clear pre presentation of the gospel. It changed his life and birthed a passion to engage university students with the life-transforming message of Jesus. He is now part of the national leadership team of Power to Change, serving as National Creative Com Communications Director. So for his contributions to evangelism in the university world, Prairie is pleased to name Graham Watt as the Distinguished Alumnus for Early Career Excellence of 2017. So we are also handing them a globe um, to represent just our mission to go into all the world and also to serve. And then on the bottom, you'll see a wheat chief as well to represent prairie. So you look through it. See. Yeah, you can look through it and you can see the wheat chief. Oh, we'll do a full picture? Okay. Yeah. All right, so Dr. Lauren Rabuka. Dr. Rabuka graduated from Prairie in 1965 and trained as a doctor at the Medical College of the University of Saskatchewan. After a seven-year courtship, he married his wife, Doris, and they share three children and three grandchildren. Lauren has practiced obstetrics and gynecology in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan for his entire career and had the privilege of delivering over 4,500 babies. He was also a physician to the Northern Canadian Evangelical Mission for 20 years and served on their board of directors and has participated with his wife at numerous summer camps throughout the province as speaker and physician. Lauren preaches regularly at his own church, Prince Albert Alliance. He has also held membership in the Gideons since 1974, served on Prairie's board of directors under several presidents and was on the board of the Nippon Bible School for one term. As a member of the board of the Saskatchewan Medical Association, Dr. Rabuka served on subcommittees that advocated with the government on behalf of doctors and their patients and presented issues such as ethics, obstetrics, emergency medicine, and gun control to the Canadian Medical Association in Ottawa. Throughout his career, Lauren has learned that obedience is more important than success, that loving God is more enjoyable than serving self, and that all things do work together in God's kingdom for his contributions, for their contributions to excellence in medical care and faithful service to the body of Christ, Prairie is pleased to name Dr. Rabuka and Doris Rabuka for their distinguished alumnus for integration of Christian faith and professional achievement for 2017. talk Jen into coming back to school, we would recognize her as a distinguished alumni too. <laughs> Jen, we'd be happy to have you. <laughs> All right, Dr. George Durantz. George graduated from Prairie Bible College in 1973 and continued on to earn degrees in biblical studies, history, and education. His PhD is from the University of Durham in the United Kingdom. 
George taught high school social studies in Calgary, Alberta, before moving to Germany to teach at Black Forest Academy, a boarding school serving international Christian workers. As principal and later director, he led BFA through a major expansion of their facilities. Durant returned to Canada in 1997 to become the president of Ambrose University College. During his 12-year tenure, he not only helped reposition the school as a liberal arts university, but also relocated it to another province and built a new campus. His distinguished service earned George the honorary title of Ambrose President Emeritus. Tocoa Falls College in Georgia presented him with a distinguished contribution to higher education, and he was awarded the Alberta Centennial Medal in 2005 in recognition of his leadership and contributions to the educational community. Dr. Durant is currently the president of the Teach Beyond, an international organization providing transformational education to children and adults. He has helped cast a new vision and seen the work grow significantly. A former member of Prairie's Board of Directors, George is married to Beverly, and they have three married children and 10 grandchildren. For his contributions to global Christian education, Prairie is pleased to name Dr. George and Beverly Drance as the distinguished alumni for lifelong Christian ministry for 2017. Elaine and I had the privilege of having dinner with George and Bev this evening, and uh, it was one, a lovely time, a renewal of friendship. Um, it's been great to be on the um, board with George, it's been great to be on the board with Lauren, and it's been lovely to have them as board members at different times of challenge during our colorful past, uh, but we've had a great time together, and I would say this, George and Bev are on an amazing mission to help educate people who are needy in the world. Um, talking about um, their work, they, they said that they had just this year sent their 100th teacher overseas. And, you know, I said, so... Was, this, you know, this year? This Since January. 100, this year? Since January. Since January. I'll let you clean it up. You know, <laughs> people have to do that all the time. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, I asked, so, so what does it look like for the future? And the answer was immediately they could use 130 more teachers in Vietnam alone. I believe I got that correct. You got that right. That doesn't mention um, whatever, Laos, Cambodia, Burma, other countries around there, other places where they're working. This is an amazing and very important mission that they are on and continue to be on at their young age of 39. George, <laughs> let me pray for you as we, uh, as we go to work here. Father, we thank you for this time. We thank you for this class. We thank you for the Durances the Rebukas, and the Graham, and Jennifer. We pray that you would bless them all. We pray that you would uh, multiply their efforts with encouragement, your spirit, and the people around them. We pray that you would make your work in their lives count forever. Now we pray that you would especially anoint George with your Holy Spirit, that we would hear from you as he speaks. Give us, we pray, that privilege of the greatest gift that you can give us, and that is your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. 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 Thank you very much, Mark. Do you want this or that? Uh, I'll use this. <clears throat> I had a moment here before we started talking to Roger, and we, uh, we were doing some thinking about what God's doing in Canada and what... The, the great need there is in our country 
And it reminded me of 50 years ago or more when there were a group of us in a local church who had a tremendous desire to see God do things in our lives and in the lives of the people in our church. And then I went on into education, Bible school, and so on. And I, I asked myself as I was talking to Roger, where are the young people today who are asking this when our country needs them so badly? And we have the great privilege, as Marcus said, of seeing people go abroad, and we've had 100 this year already out of the United States and Canada, not counting people, you know, this is a great day and age, people coming from other countries to go to other countries. It isn't just about Canada and the States. But I cannot help but be impressed with the fact that we are not seeing the same confidence and boldness that we had when uh, we were much younger. All right, now, uh, the verse that came to my mind was from 1 John. The Spirit is saying through John, I write to you, young men, and I believe women, because you are strong and the Word of God lives in you and you've overcome the evil one, and that's what we need. And I am so glad that Prairie uh, is still proclaiming the truth. It's still embodying the truth in its faculty and in its leadership. One of the key points I want to make to us tonight, folks, is that if we want to say the same thing to the next generation, we have to say it differently. And we're saying it differently right here at Prairie. It's a different Maxwell, but it's the right one for this time. And uh, so glad to be here. Now, I wanted to say, uh, with these kind words that have come my way, and I'm sure my colleagues who are up here would say the same thing, that we are celebrating what God has done and is doing through very ordinary people. Maybe my two colleagues were extraordinary. I certainly wasn't. And if I thought I was extraordinary, that was unfortunately taken out of me by the time I was finished grade one because <laughs> I, I was promoted to grade two on probation. You know, is this guy going to actually make it academically? Um, I was relieved in grade two to not have that message until I got my final report card and I discovered they said the same thing. Well, we'll see how he does in the first part of grade three. Very ordinary people that God chooses to use. And so then he gets the glory. And the degrees and the, all the ideas that came, you know, where'd they come from? I can't tell you how many times I was completely stumped, had no idea how we were going to do things, and all of a sudden there was an idea, and it turned things around. I cannot take credit for that because it wasn't a rational deduction. It wasn't about, okay, if we add two and another two of this and two more of that, we'll have six. It was just there. And I give our Father all the praise and the glory he used some human, pe uh, human beings, some people, to help 
along the way, as you can very well imagine. And you saw the main one standing with me today. Uh, the children said, well, this is just plain wrong. Uh, Mom should be there too, Dad. And uh, they said it very kindly because they, they love, love me and you know they'll, they'll say good things about me and so on. But they know what their mother did and what she was like. I want to say I have traveled uh, millions of miles. I don't know. Uh, I should sit down and try to figure it out because... You know, they had a way of doing this in the past where if you flew a certain number of miles, you'd get a mile uh, for, you'd be awarded a mile for every mile. Nowadays, it doesn't matter. It's how much you pay. They still call it miles. It's, it's an insult. Um, but I know it's in the millions because of the number of points I had. Uh, and, of course, the feeling in my body. <laughs> However... I want to tell you that means absence from the home and sometimes long absences. And I was one of those individuals who hated being away from home because I was a homebody and I learned that right here down by the girls' gym, the old place where we live long since gone. Um, you know, ladies, I hate to tell you this, but when we were six or seven, we would creep up the little hill there, and the ladies' gym had some kind of frosting on it, and we would scratch that out because we thought there were space creatures in there. There were these, the, these creatures with kind of blue pantaloons, and we were, wow, look at that. I, I have to get some of these things off my chest, you know. Am I forgiven? You know, this kind of thing. Oh, my goodness. But this, this sense of security with home, and I love to be at home, but I had to travel. That was just part of the job, just doing what you're called to do. It doesn't seem meritorious. It doesn't seem worthy of an award, really, if you're just doing what you're being called to do. But by God's grace, it, 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 it is what it is, so thank you so much for that. But I wanted to say that during all those absences, I do not remember my wife complaining once. Not once. And it wasn't just about being supportive. It was about being enthusiastic, as only my wife can be. Full of energy, full of enthusiasm, and our children have never complained. They've never talked to me about all the times I miss their games and their performances and, you know, their damaged kids and all this kind of thing. They never said a thing about that. And you know why? Because their mother didn't say anything. She was behind it. You know, and there was a day we were on a home ministry assignment, came into this church, and Bev got up and she said, um, how hard it had been, and uh, she, she had many times of tears and so on. And then she sat down, and of course, being a very biblical fellow, I took her aside privately uh, to say to her, sweetheart, maybe you shouldn't sort of exaggerate that much because you, you, don't, you didn't really have that hard of a time and you weren't crying. I don't probably didn't say it quite that meanly, but I was trying to be very gentle and 
all this kind of thing. Unfortunately, I forgot that my eight-year-old daughter was standing beside me. And she said, oh, yeah, but Dad, you were always gone when she cried. But always supportive. So that's very, very special. And any award that comes is shared. I want to also say that uh, in the old days, in the 60s, the Montreal Canadiens were winning all the time, much to the grief of the Maple Leafs. And there was a coach that Montreal had named Toe Blake. I should have had that as a kind of skill testing question. You're all old enough now to remember who Toe Blake was. And he was the most winning coach in history in the world of hockey. And the Maple Leafs always used to say, well, he didn't have to do anything. All he had to do was stand by the gate and just open and shut it. Just let the guys out, go out. They, they were so talented, such a competent group of individuals that he didn't have to even coach. And that's the way I feel. So, you know, people talk about new campuses and they talk about some of the incredible changes that are taking place now. It's just absolutely phenomenal what's going on in our, in our world. And I say, well, you know, I'm like Toe Blake. I open the gate and God just gives talented, gifted, dedicated people, especially the leadership team. And it would be in, completely inappropriate to take some of that credit and, and make it mine. And the last thing I want to say is that there's a great debt that I owe to Prairie. You know, Prairie is an organization. It's an institution. But there's something it is that's far more important than that, and these people are living testimony to it as well. Prairie is an idea. Prairie is a way of living. It's a philosophy, a theology. It's a system of values. And that was embedded into us. And if we had an open heart and a willing spirit, we left here as changed, equipped people to serve. And wow, do we owe you a debt of gratitude. I'm so glad that the torch of truth is being held high here in this generation, in this day and age, because if it is like it was back when we were young people, uh, it is worth every dollar and far more that is spent. Uh, I look to Prairie for more than just um, the values of self-discipline, the getting up at five in the morning and having, I don't know if you guys had this at JK, it was always a cold shower. It was unbelievably cold. Uh, all the hot water was gone by 4.30 because of all these keen guys, you know. And so the laggards like me getting up at 5, you, you, would, you would turn on the water, and then you just sprint in, jump out, wash out, sprint in, and out you'd go. Okay, well, so you learn some... Maybe that wasn't self-discipline. That was kind of imposed discipline. But you, you had this sort of, we, we used to say, training disciplined soldiers for Christ. Like we, we had this kind of training and uh, that was wonderful. You know, and we played sports to our heart's content. 
I have served now, um, well, I didn't add it up, but it must be, I'm 65, so you could say something like uh, knock off 20 years, but uh, 45 years, I think I have missed maybe two days of work or school since I was 20. In fact, I can go back into high school. And I think one of the main reasons is that we played so much sport. When I, I'd like to ask the doctor if that has something to do with it. But when I left Prairie, I was not, you know, some great athlete. But I had really been vigorously working out. And I think it is, there's a kind of an echo that stayed all my life. I owe Prairie more than the pleasure of the sports, but just the physical fitness that it brought into my life. And then I could talk about various other things, but I wanted to say it was the music. I loved hearing that piece. I loved the singing. Forget the, the key, whatever that was. <laughs> that didn't bother me at all. It, 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 was this, it reminded me of a, so, uh, one of the songs that I learned when I was at Prairie, and I sang in in the ambassador choir, oh, may my life be to thy praise, O Father. In all I do, may thou be magnified. Thou chosest me before the world's foundation, thine own to be, that thou be glorified. To glorify thee, this is my plea. Work out thy purpose, thy plan for me. A yielded vessel, thy own to be, thy praise and glory to live for thee. And you know, I have sung that in the shower. My wife can attest to this. <laughs> Thousands of times. I have done it as I walk the streets of all the great cities on this planet, in the villages in this planet, on this planet, and when I make breakfast there in the Chicago area. We owe you so much. I am so grateful to God for Prairie. I love Prairie. I wish my heart could be buried here. It's a little bit like Livingston, you know. He wanted his heart buried here in Africa. His body could be in Westminster. I don't care where they put my body, but I sure wouldn't mind if my heart was out in the cemetery here because it's the spirit, the, the wonderful gift that God gave for the spirit in mind that Prairie gave. I say that on behalf of my colleagues who are up here, and I think I say it on behalf of you too, that we owe this to Prairie. I don't think you would have come back for a reunion like this if you didn't feel deeply on these same points. And so I didn't mind taking a little extra time to celebrate what God's done through ordinary people for his honor and glory through this institution. Now, I want to say uh, that the, in this day and age, the opportunities have never been greater than they are right now, nor has the opposition been. And we will not see these opportunities if we wear our 1967 glasses, because the opportunities do not look like they looked back then. And the opposition will completely overwhelm us if we don't have our eyes fixed on our Heavenly Father. I want to read the passage that I believe the Lord gave to me for us tonight. 
walking worthy right to the end. How do we do that? Well, the Spirit was most concerned that we would grow weary and lose heart. And so this is what he told us in Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the 16 testimonies of chapter 11, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. The major premise tonight in the recharge to you, if you will, is that we are at a turning point in our lives. I think you folks must be in your early 70s. It's a turning point in your lives because you're entering what's called retirement. And that's a time to lose your grip, to lose heart. Now, the world at large is telling us to cheer up. Uh, the new old age is 74. I think pretty much all of you are under that. Uh, this is based on the, the average age that people live after 74. You're in technically the old age category in another year or two. So it's good. You can pad your, <laughs> pad your bank account. You can. Uh, renovate your condo, get on to that, you know, 100 to-do things before I die list? Well, uh, not really. I hope not. Uh, in fact, I was reading the other day that um, when you turn 70, you should be meeting with your financial planner and smart financial planners. This is from the internet, so it's true. <laughs> They're telling us that you should plan to live to 105. Imagine, I, you're going to be jumping out, uh, walking out here, uh, all aches and pains gone. You've got another 35, 40 years. You're young. Okay. But if we really want to be inspired and encouraged, we'll take a look at what God says in his word here. It's not about whether we are 65, 75, or 25, because Hebrews 12, 1 to 3, was not given to a particular age group. He was telling all of the disciples that they are in danger of losing heart, of giving up if they don't persevere. And what was the instruction that the Spirit gave in verses 1 and 2 to help us not lose heart, to give up, and to keep persevering? Well, the first point was that we were to throw off everything that hinders. So you're running, you have this great cloud of testimonies telling you how it can be done. And then he says, let us throw off everything that hinders, like they did. And we can go through the list of what they did. Think of Noah, he threw off respectability. Think of Abraham, he threw off home. Uh, think of Sarah, she had a nice retirement sort of set out for herself. And she threw that off for an impossible dream. 
and you can go through every single one of those 16, and they threw off things that hindered. And were they bad things? Was it bad that Moses threw off a great career? Uh, not at all. The things that hinder are generally good things. The things that we enjoy and like. And they can, in other contexts, be wonderful things. Now, the Spirit doesn't give us a long list of what these things could be that hinder us. He leaves it to us to think through, to reflect, and to understand what kind of a nice thing there could be that would hold us back. We tend to say, well, is that a sin? If it's a sin, then I won't do it, which is the second part, you know, the sin that easily entangles. But this isn't the question, is it a sin? The, this is a question, is, is it good for me? Everything is lawful, but is it beneficial? Is it something that's going to help me to walk worthy right to the very end? And if it it answers that question positively, then it's a good thing to keep doing. But if it is something that holds you back, it could be music, it could be friends, it could be, it could be nostalgia for the past. And we're all here kind of walking down nostalgia lane. And I want to remind you of two important scriptures that we know. One is that we are to forget what was and to press on. But the other one was, ask for the ancient way, the old way, and walk in it. So how do we balance these seemingly conflicting ideas? Well, I, I think your walk on campus here can help us think through that. At least it helps me think through it. Nostalgia, I mean, honestly, I loved Prairie when I became an adult. When I was young, I wasn't always so sure um, it wasn't just that my, did you ever hear my father, see my father lead the singing? And he would, see these are some of the, you have good memories. I go all around the world and people say, oh, your dad, I love those racy books. I mean, those nice books that he had down in his basement. Some of you know what I'm talking about. I mean, really dangerous things like um, Huckleberry Finn. Uh, or um, maybe it was a Western or something like that. Today we would think, oh. Uh, um, you know, but in those days, uh, it seems like we had, uh, m m there were more sensitivities, I guess. Uh, but, yes, well, anyway, uh, I, I remember uh, back in those days having to go to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. And I would pass all the ungodly staff kids playing in what we called the green fence. There was a play park right beside us, and uh, mom and dad would take the three boys, and off we would go. Oh, I, I was in the middle of telling you another story. He's leading singing. I want to, this is a very important story. He's, my dad leads singing, you see, and then everybody says, I love those books, or I love the way dad, your dad led the singing. And I thought, oh, boy, if you only knew. Because I remember my dad saying, for example, this wasn't the only time, but we always as a family had to sit at the very front. And then he would say, I, Dad had a kind of um, regal way of standing there without a lot of, I, I don't, he actually had a good sense of humor, but people didn't know it was humor. <laughs> you know, th this is the problem. 
and very seriously and say, I'd, I want to encourage all of you to sing all over the tab, you know. But I see my three boys sitting right down there in the front and they're not singing. <laughs> well, okay. So I, know, I don't always have the best memories about dad leading the singing. <laughs> they took us to prayer meeting on Tuesday night. And we would go in, we'd sit down, 7.30 I think it was, maybe Miss Boswell played the piano for us, and what did we sing? Lord, I have shut the door. I, I sang that song a hundred, uh, no, a thousand times. And you know what? I sing it now because it means something to me. And it was just drilled in me. Oh, I could be playing ball with my friends out in the green you know, uh, fence. Well, uh, then we'd go in, Mr. Strom would lead, then we'd go around into the back where the uh, group was that my parents went with, and there was Mr. Werner. And I tell you, when Mr. Werner was in that prayer meeting, everything changed. I could hardly wait until it was his turn to pray. See, they'd hand out a sheet of paper and you'd each tear off, one prayer request. And I'd hear all these people pray, and then it was Mr. Werner's turn in his German, English, or whatever, and he prayed. I knew God was answering it immediately because of the way he prayed. Now, my theology's a little better now, but you know, <laughs> that is something to be nostalgic about. Where, where are the prayer meetings? Where's the Tuesday night prayer meeting? Where's the Mr. Werner? And folks, I come back to this point. If we want to say the same thing and do the same thing that we did 50 years ago, we're going to have to do it differently because the Tuesday night prayer meeting is not going to work. And so we have to come with other ways to help mothers and fathers who are both working hard and late and tired and they cannot get in their car and every night be driving their, themselves. Like just, we have to be realistic about these things. And you understand this totally. But what I'm saying is that good things, being nostalgic about the 200-voice choir and, the, and Mr. Snyder playing the baritone like a professional that he was, and uh, Steve Masterson scoring goals, and on, all these <laughs> wonderful things, we have to put them aside and say, now what does that mean now? Father, give me insight into how to say and do it in this generation. And not, so that's what nostalgia does. It inspires us for the future, rather than enshackle us and hinder us. It's a good thing but it can be a bad thing. And that's the way it is with so much in life. And the Spirit is saying to us, if we want to walk worthy and persevere, not growing weary and losing heart, uh, then we will throw off all of these things which hinder us, even at 70. And secondly, and the sin that so easily entangles. And because of time, I'm not going to go into this. The sin that so easily entangles is the, the sin that the 16 witnesses 
all had. If you look at every single one of them, they had a sin that easily entangled, that they had to deal with. They had to throw off. David, you can think of who that is. Samson, even Samuel with his family, and on down the line. And so if the 16 testimonies had to do it, we have to do it. We not only have things that hinder, but we have sins that easily beset us, and they're unique to us. And that's why there's no list, because it's different for everyone. We want to walk worthy to the end, and to do that, we have to set aside the sin that so easily entangles. And then run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. We're so grateful because we know the person who marked out the race. And when there's death and illness and poverty, it's in the race he marked out. And he is good. And if we don't get our theology right before these come, the circumstances will bend and shape our theology. We've seen that now at our age. We know this for a fact. If there are young people here, I would talk a lot about that. But the circumstances of life have a way of shaping our theology if we don't get it straight before we get into the, the issue. And in this particular case, it's about the goodness of God who's marked out our path for us, whatever it is that's coming. And then we can, it says that we are to fix our eyes on Jesus. Now, why is that so important? Well, it's important because the challenges and problems of our day and age are um, overwhelming the opportunities. Mark has talked about the one opportunity that re is represented by our organization, Teach Beyond. It's the fact that across the globe, education is the go-to solution that states are, are turning to. And as a result, for those of us who are believers, we have a wonderful open door to proclaim the gospel through education because that's the one thing they're willing to take from the West. They don't want our politics. They don't even want our economics, but they want our education. And that gives us an incredibly open door. Well, uh, we can't see that, though, if we're still thinking we're going to go out and do church planting. Now, this might be a little bit of a sensitive issue. I'm, of course we're church planting. We've seen churches grow out of the work that we're doing, and we always partner with local churches. But folks, it's a bit odd for us in Canada and the United States to be sending people abroad to plant churches when the church is more vibrant, growing much faster, and much more aware about how to plant churches than we are. But they are asking for certain specific things now from the Western church. They don't even want a lot of our theology, thankfully. They want to know how to help young people grow to be creative, analytic um, uh, people who put folks on the moon rather than just be robot, robots. You understand what I mean? They don't want to have teach people how to type. They want to teach them how to create a computer. And that they get from the West still to this day. So, 
uh, it's a wide open door. But if all we do is fix, become fixated on the problems in our culture, the problems, how are they defined right now? We talked about one, I think, already tonight. Uh, sexual identity uh, is, is a big issue for our um, society, gender issues and, and all these things. You know, folks, they're just really foreshadowing what's coming. The moment you declare God to be dead, and I don't mean God is dead, but the moment you in your life declare God to be dead so that you have unbounded freedom, you are the most enslaved person you can possibly be. And that means that things like these issues that are social issues for us today, along with violence and illicit drugs and um, issues of abortion, you can go on down the line, these are just harbingers of even worse things yet to come. If you're all worried about the gender issue, I'm sorry for you, because there's worse coming. We don't know exactly what it is, uh, but I, I'm not even a prophet, it's just logical that without a renewal, without a revival, there is going to be this um, downward slide in our culture. Well, that means that we no longer can see the opportunity. When it says fix your eyes on Jesus, it means fix your eyes on what he's doing, not what's going on in society. We have to obviously keep our eyes open to what's going on in society and address it in an intelligent and ironic way. But we are above all to be focusing on what he's doing at home and around the world. We need to be the kind of people that are completely in love with him and enthused about being in his presence. Um, when I think about uh, this particular verse, it actually scares me. To be fixed on Jesus means that I'm going to do it his way, how he walked his path. And the scriptures tell us here that he endured the cross, scorning its shame. He was so completely committed, he thought so little then of the pain and the shame of the cross. And as we come into the final chapter in our lives, we know that there's pain coming and suffering coming. That's, that's the way it was for our Lord. And that's not just a, a physical pain, it's a spiritual pain as we see so many hurts and difficulties uh, in our society. And I want to say then, to be fixed on Jesus gives us a liberating spirit where we're no longer burdened and overwhelmed by the problems and the challenges in our society. We don't become wizened and small in our spirit, bitter people. We're still filled with joy at what he's doing around the world, confident that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church, and it's guaranteed by God himself. So there's no worries in our lives about uh, the, the great challenges that are out there. More, more to the point, our worry is, are we following through on what the Spirit has been telling us we need to do about setting aside the sin and the hindrances and fixing our eyes on the Lord? Well now, unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to present you before him in his glorious presence without fault and with great joy 
be glory forever and ever. Go in his strength. The strength that raised Jesus from the dead and sat him at the right hand of the Father. That's the strength that you have for the time that lies ahead. Walk worthy. Thank you very much.